If you announce a Bible study, you may get maybe six people to show up. But if you announce a cat video festival, you can fill a stadium. This Thursday, thousands will gather once again at CHS Field in St. Paul for the annual cat video festival to watch cats do what cats are adored for, all those crazy and cute things. But what if we combined our fascination with cats with a Bible study? Well, that'd be great, except there are no cat videos in the Bible because there are no domestic cat stories in the Bible. Dogs, yes, but cats, not a one. Now, why is that? Perhaps it's because cats make lousy hiking companions. When the Israelites fled slavery in Egypt, they spent 40 years wandering through the desert. And now a dog could come in handy on a 40-year hike. They could protect you, or they could hunt down the quail that God sent for food. And a dog can walk on a leash if needed to. But with cats, not so easy. I was hiking out at Spring Lake Park, and I saw a mother wrestling a stroller through the rocks and the roots of the trail through the woods. And I was really impressed by her desire to, to bring her baby out into nature. I mean, you can never start too young in introducing children to God's creation. But then she lifted the netting draped over the stroller, and there was not her baby, but her cat, looking none too thrilled to be bumping along through the woods in that stroller. It's tough to hike through the wilderness with a cat. And so maybe that's a reason that there are no cat stories in the Bible. But probably more important than hiking is the fact that the Israelites were fleeing slavery in Egypt. And no animal was so connected to the Egyptians as the cat. Their Egyptians and enslavers worshipped cats and treated them much better than they did their slaves. In fact, they treated cats like little gods, which of course all cats think they are. Cats were thought to be a manifestation of the Egyptian god Bastet and were given the, the full King Tut treatment, mummified as religious offerings in enormous numbers. People were even buried with their mummified pet cats so they could be together in the afterlife, or, or so they thought. According to National Geographic, while dogs were valued in Egypt for their ability to protect and to hunt, it was cats that were thought of as most special. Egyptians believed cats were magical creatures capable, capable of bringing good luck to, to people who housed them. To honor their treasured pets, those who are wealthy enough would dress them in jewels and feed them treats that were fit for royalty. Now we know where cats got their attitude. House cats were Egyptian not Israelite. So the only cats mentioned in the Bible are wild cats. And the wild cats of the Holy Land are the Asiatic lion and the Arabian leopard, both of which are now extinct in Israel. There was one other wild cat in Israel back then. It was the adorably cute sand cat. And I bet these guys would make great 
cat videos, but they too are extinct in Israel, and they never appear in any of the Bible stories. So Bible cats are big cats. They are lions and leopards. And here are three lessons that God has for us from these wild cats. Lesson number one is don't play with wild cats. In the Bible, lions and leopards are illustrations of danger, both physical and spiritual. Jeremiah warns, warns of the consequence of turning away from God. They get to see cats, but not cat videos, violent, destructive wildcats who will tear them apart. Listen to, to what he says. Therefore, a lion from the forest will attack them. A wolf from the desert will ravage them. A leopard will lie in wait near their towns to tear to pieces any who venture out. For their rebellion is great and their backslidings many. Lions and leopards are not cute little kitties. They are physically dangerous. Don't play with wildcats. But the most dangerous of these lions and leopards in the Bible are, are not the physical kind, but the spiritual kind of wildcats. First Peter compares the devil to a lion who is just looking to destroy you. It says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now that's a spiritual wildcat you don't want to tangle with. And in Revelation, the beast of the apocalypse is depicted also as a wildcat. It's, it's kind of a weird mix. It's a, a mix of a leopard and a lion and then a bear thrown in for good measure. But remember, this is a physical image. It's a vision. It's a dream that, that John receives in Revelation. But it's talking about spiritual things. Listen to Revelation 13 and the talk of this beast. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. You don't play around with physical wildcats, and you don't play around with these spiritual ones especially. And yet sometimes we do, don't we? We play with things that are spiritually and, and physically dangerous. And we think, oh, they won't harm us. They're no more harmful than a cat video. And you can fill in the blank of the things in your life, because for every person it's different. But what in your life is like those spiritual wildcats that we think we can play with 
and not get hurt. Could be the attitudes that you carry. Could be the people you hang around with. Could be the time you spend with God or don't spend with God. The stuff you look at on your phone or take into your body. The words that you say to others. Little lies, little digs. We tell ourselves, they're not really dangerous. I can control this. A little won't hurt me. And then we find ourselves in trouble. Last month, my three-year-old grandson, Asher, the the same one that was attacked by a pit bull when he was a one-year-old, found a stray cat. And it looked harmless. What could be more fun than a new kitty to play with? But eventually the cat got tired of Asher playing with it and it chomped into his leg and ran off. The doctor said that unless the cat was found within five days, Asher would have to undergo a painful series of rabies injections. Now, they may not look like much. It was just a stray cat. And Asher thought it was all fun and games until it wasn't just like the destructive things in our own lives. They may not look like much, but they are as dangerous as a roaring lion or a rabid cat. The devil can't wait to sink his teeth into us. That's one of God's lessons for us from the wildcats in the Bible. Don't play with them. And the second lesson is this. Cats are not God. Now, the Egyptians may have thought so, And your little fluffy at home might think so as well. But cats are not God. Now God can be like a wild cat. I mean, Hosea lays out God's complaint against the Israelites who seem to have forgotten about him. And he says, But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud, and then they forgot me. So I will be like a lion to them. Like a leopard, I will lurk by the path. God can be like a wildcat, but wildcats are not God. Not even the devil who prowls around like a lion is God. God is is God. And he saves us from both the physical and the spiritual wildcats, the literal and the figurative wildcats from all the danger that we face. Like the lions in in Daniel and the lion's den. You know that story, right? I mean, it's one of those stories we learn as a kid. Probably the most famous cat story in all of the Bible. And once again, lions represent real physical danger, not cuddly little kitties on cat videos. Now the story takes place in Babylon, which is modern Iraq. And you know that that Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. But do you know why? Do you know why Daniel was thrown in? Well, Daniel was a Jewish boy who was captured and he's dragged off to Babylon. And there he was educated by the Babylonians. And he rose to a high position in the government. 
but he remained a faithful follower of God. Other officials were jealous of, of his success, and so they hatched a plot to get rid of him. They convinced King Darius to, to sign a decree that no one could pray to anyone but Darius for 30 days. You couldn't pray to anyone but the king for 30 days. Now, what king doesn't want to be treated like a god? And so he signed off on it, and he made that decree. And if someone did pray to some other god or some other person, they would be thrown into a den of lions and be torn apart. Now Daniel, of course, kept praying to the Lord. And the jealous officials ratted him out, and reluctantly, the king had to follow through on his decree. But even though he wasn't a believer, the king hoped that somehow Daniel's God could save him from the lions. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, and the opening was sealed. And all night long, King Darius tossed and turned. Could a God he didn't believe in save Daniel from the lion's mouth? Well, Daniel 6 tells us this. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Kings are not God. Cats are not God. Only God is God. And he has the power to save us even from lions. From the lions like in Daniel's den. Or the lions that are spiritual. The lions that are, are figurative. Like the ones that Paul talks about. Paul was, was arrested and he was facing imprisonment for preaching the gospel of Christ. And he describes his situation as being like in Daniel's lion's den with all these people who are out to get him, like the hungry lions. He says this in 2 Timothy. When I was first put on trial, no one helped me. In fact, everyone deserted me. I hope it won't be held against them. But the Lord stood beside me. He gave me the strength to tell his full message so that all Gentiles would hear it. And I was kept safe from hungry lions. The Lord will always keep me from being harmed by evil, and he will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Praise him forever and ever. Amen. Whatever lines you face, no matter what tries to keep you from sharing Jesus with others, like Paul, or praying to God, like Daniel, or, or resisting the devil, like Peter, know that Whatever lions you may face in your life, 
they're not the equal of our God who saves. Cats are not God. That's lesson number two. And then lesson number three is Jesus is a cat too. You know, last week we looked at at Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. In Revelation, that's the most common name used for Jesus, the Lamb. But Revelation also calls Jesus a cat. It calls Jesus the Lion of Judah, a great big cat. Revelation 5 says, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. And so is Jesus a lamb, or is he a lion? Well, of course, he's both, right? He's both. He's the Passover lamb slain to save us, and the victorious lion who will rule over all. Now, this may seem like a weird mix of of lamb and, and lion, but that's exactly the same image that prophecy uses to describe what it'll be like when Jesus comes. You've probably heard this, this prophecy from Isaiah 11 around Christmas time, because we often associate it with Christmas time. But it's really looking forward to, to Jesus' victory yeah, over all time. A time when, when Jesus returns and there is peace. No longer will Satan be prowling around like a roaring lion. No longer there, will there be dangerous wildcats that may tear us apart, either literally or figuratively. No, there shall be peace in Jesus' reign. Remember these words? A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. For he would delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. And then here's that image. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, the young child will put his hand into the viper's nest, neither will they harm nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. When Jesus, the lion and the lamb, comes, peace shall prevail. And the lion and the lamb and the leopards and the calves will all lie down together. That's the cat video I want to see. And actually, I don't want to see it on video. I want to see it in person. I want to see a time when wild cats are not dangerous. And animals and people as different as lions and lambs can live together in peace. Come, Lord Jesus. So there we have it. There's three lessons from wildcat stories in the Bible. First, don't play with wildcats. Not physical ones or spiritual ones. It's all fun and games until it isn't. Second, cats are not God, no matter what they think. 
and neither is anything else. Only the Lord is God, and God can defeat anything that threatens you. And then three, Jesus is a cat too. The victorious Lion of Judah and the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when he returns, even the lions and the lambs will lie down together and there will be peace on earth for all. So enjoy your cat video festival this week if you're going to it. Because you won't find those in the Bible. You will find, though, a God who saves. And in case you're wondering, after much fervent prayer, and I have to admit, a bunch of worrying, that stray cat was found and was put under quarantine. And after 10 days, it was perfectly healthy, so Asher did not have to, to have the rabies shots. And everything is well. And I know that it wasn't a wild cat. It was just a stray cat. But it sure does feel like God has rescued another one of his children from the mouth of the lion. And will do that for us as well. Let's pray. Lord, you have made some awesome creatures. And cats are one of them, whether they be the cats uh, that are in the videos or whether they be the wild cats that roam the world. But teach us the lessons of the wild cats in the Bible, Lord. Teach us the lessons that we might lean on you. Do we not play around with things that we shouldn't, but that we trust in your saving power? For you are God alone. And we are your children. So thank you, Lord, for saving us from the wildcats around us, especially the devil. Amen. I invite you to stand. <laughs>